Welcome to the Ode to Joy podcast, a show where we talk about joy. How do we cultivate it? How do we maintain it? And what are the things that get in the way? This week, we bring you another part of our very special Grieve Outside the Box podcast series where we are talking about the hero's journey with Jeannie Schuerman, who's a yoga teacher, a nurse midwifery student, and a near-death experience survivor. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ode to Joy podcast. Again, this week, I'm bringing you a very special guest, and we have a very good friend of mine on the show this week. Her name is Jeannie Schuerman. And she is my friend. And I met her in Bali, which is pretty cool. So I met her during my griefcation and um, we hit it off right away. We'll probably talk a little bit about how we met. Um, but just to give you a little bit of information about Jeannie, she's a yoga teacher and she was actually managing a yoga resort in Indonesia when we met. She is a life coach. And right now she's in nurse midwifery school. So she's going to be a badass midwife. And not only that, She's a badass single mom to Lyra, who's so beautiful, such a beautiful child. Welcome to the show, Jeannie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a huge honor. I love what you've done. I love this community that you've created, and I'm really excited for our conversation today. Me too. You and I both. So Jeannie, I mean, how do we even begin? Because uh, (laughs) we'll start from the the very beginning, or how do I say this? uh, yeah, so we're going to start at the very beginning. But just to give you guys context of 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 why I brought Jeannie on the show today, the topic of the day is the hero's journey. And so we're going to be getting into that, um, but I thought it would be very important to share how Jeannie um, um, introduced me to the hero's journey. Um, so again, I was, I was in Bali. I was during my griefcation. So it was a couple months after my dad had died and I found myself in Ubud in Bali. And I guess we'll, we'll, I'll just tell you my side of the story and then you can tell me how it happened for you. Um, but I write about this in the book. So for those of you who are, who are, you know, following along in the book, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get this story, but basically I was sitting in this outdoor cafe before going to ecstatic dance. And I was reading a book by Eckhart Tolle called the power of now. And it's this like bright blue book that was actually gifted to me by a girl named blue who now goes by the name of blue is <laughs> very appropriate. And I was like having one of those really like curmudgeonly mornings. Like I was so, <laughs> I was like having one of those like, woe is me, like everything stinks, like like my dad's dead, like poor me. And I'm sitting in this cafe trying to like get my Zen on by <laughs> reading Eckhart. And, you know, and I was just in that space, like being just really, really uh not not in a good mindset. And it's this it's this cafe in Ubud where there's like two levels and from the top level, like there's this uh spiral staircase and and I was sitting basically at the bottom of the staircase and uh, right next to it. And and I hear, I just felt this like bounding energy, like coming down the staircase. <laughs> and I was like, what is that? It was like, it was like this amazing, like tornado of like sunshine, basically. And I'm like, what is this? You know? And, and, and I heard this like beautiful, bright American voice say like, wow, that's a really good book. <laughs> 
And I, I like really wanted to still be in my like, you know, anger, but I was like, okay, you know, this is an opportunity. So I was like, wow, like, yeah, it is a really good book. You know, Bali is kind of like that where you just meet these people, um, and, and, um, have these amazing connections. So we ended up talking and I was like, okay, this, this chick is really cool. And we ended up going to ecstatic dance together and dancing around. And then we went back to the cafe I mean, I, should I just tell my whole side of it or do you want to, or do you want to share, uh, share any of, of, of your reflections on like that moment that we met? Yeah. Let me say my part. So what's yeah. funny is until right now, I had no idea that that was the mood you were in when we met, which is great. So good. Um, but from my side, so I was living in Lombok, which is the island to the east of Bali. And I was also on my own hero's journey at the time. Um, even getting to Lombok and like being in a different country was very new to me. I'd just moved there a couple months before. So I was on vacation in Bali and this was my first time in Bali, in Ubud. It was maybe even like one of my first days actually. I think so. Yeah. No, I do remember I had literally just gotten off of the taxi at this cafe because one of my friends had recommended the cafe. So I got off the taxi. I had my backpacking backpack with me. I was upstairs, um, and had just finished eating and was coming downstairs when I saw you. And I, Lombok's a little different than Bali. Bali's um, more, more international. So there's lots of people there from all over the world, whereas Lombok is a lot more local. So like I was learning Bahasa, which is the language they speak in Indonesia. And um, most of the people I interacted with for the past like few months were all Indonesian. So I was in Ubud and I was just so stoked to like, be around people that spoke English that I could just Mm. easily like strike up a conversation with. It just kind of felt like home. So I'm coming down the stairs and I'm just like, Oh my God, in such a good mood. And I see (laughs) reading this book and I'm like, I found that book. (laughs) Sat down at your table with you. And we just started talking and like got into it right away. And it was really great. Yeah. Yeah. You were like that ray of sunshine that I really needed in that moment. And um, you really became this, this person that would, you know, you'd come in, um, on your like weekends for, for vacation from Lombok. And you were, you were someone that I really came to rely on as, as like a, a touchstone with, I guess, like American culture. I remember we, we celebrated kind of 4th of July together, uh, <laughs> very, <laughs> very mildly, but, um, um, and I like also really, oh, today's 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> that was basically it. Um, but, but you were someone that I also found to be very grounded. And even though you're also spiritual and that, you know, for those of, uh, of you who have been to Bali or kind of been in any of these spiritual communities, there's amazing mm. people who are there, but, but there's a tendency to be very like kind of heady and ungrounded. And you were just like, had this magic about you, but also feet on the ground, you know? And I, and I really yeah. appreciated that about you. And, um, and also you telling me about all of your experience in the Peace Corps where you were working with women in Morocco on, um, Mm -hmm. family, family planning. Wasn't that what it was? Um, yeah, mostly, uh, maternal child health. So like Mm -hmm. prenatal visits and birth and then like vaccinations for infants. Wow. So, so as you can tell listeners, I was totally blown away by Jeannie. And so to continue the the story of how we came to the hero's journey. So we went to ecstatic dance and like, I would go to ecstatic dance every week because it was a place that I could like 
really let out all of my inner funk, you know? So I'd be like on the, uh, on the floor in the dance floor, pounding my fists into the ground, like crying and everyone would be around me like dancing, but it was fine. It was good. It was like, you could mm. do that there. And it was all, everything was welcome. And so Jeannie came to me with that. And then afterwards we actually went back to that same cafe, which is literally called cafe with a K. <laughs> Is, I was trying to think of the name. Yeah, yeah it's literally called Cafe. And we sat down and, you know, we're all like sweaty and glistening and beautiful goddesses. And I don't know how exactly it happened, but, you know, I guess I had told you a bit of, of what I was going through, of, of how I was in the midst of um, grieving the passing of my father. And and I don't know what came first the, because you did, you pulled out the tarot deck and I don't know if that's what came first or talking about the hero's journey, but somehow, mm. um, you, 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 you intertwined both of these worlds of, you know, bringing mythology, um, into your everyday life and, and, and studying myth. Um, so I'm curious, perhaps you can share a little bit about the hero's journey and maybe give us like a little bit of a synopsis. Yeah. Absolutely. So I've been a really big nerd my entire life and I love mythology. Like, uh, I'm, I hope that I say this in a politically correct way, but of all different cultures, all different times. So like it started with Greek mythology when I was a kid, I read the Iliad and the Odyssey. My parents got me like an illustrated version. I loved it. And then I went on to like Egyptian mythology. Um, and then as I got older, I started studying world religions. So I learned about like the beliefs of different religions. And to me, I'm saying this in a very respectful way, I see them all as mythologies. They're all stories that help us understand our place in the world and how we connect. So that's what um, the hero's journey is to me. The hero's journey is an idea by Joseph Campbell, who mm-hmm. is a genius. Oh, he's yes. amazing. Yes. I, I call him like the OG. <laughs> Yes. Every time Elena texts me about it and she writes Joey and then the Campbell's soup can icon. Yeah. So I just, yeah. he's, oh, he's amazing. But he's so he good. was a professor at Sarah Lawrence and he um, also studied mythologies across cultures and times. And what he did is he found the similarities in them. So the hero's journey is his synopsis basically of the monomyth. So this idea that all mythologies are heroes' journeys. Um, his book is called a Her- "The Hero with a Thousand Faces," and it's this idea that the same arc, the same cycle, is repeated in stories all around the world and all throughout time. So he broke down what that arc is, and basically the reason that this arc exists is because it's also what helps. Uh, it's it's also the cycle that we go through as human beings when we're going through change or upheaval. So hearing about how these heroes did it or these gods and goddesses did it helps us as human beings find guidance, find solidarity, and know what to expect as the journey continues. Um, so that's like the background of the the hero's journey. And the hero's journey itself, there's lots of different versions of it. So this is going to be my own. I'm not a Joseph Campbell scholar. This is just <laughs> like my interpretation of it that I've taken with me in my life. Um, the hero's journey itself starts off with everyone in your like normal day-to-day life. And then there's this call to adventure. And so this can be in the form of like in fairy tales, it's a literal like 
knock on the door or, you know, like um, Shakespeare's quote, greatness is thrust upon you. It's just this thing that you can't ignore that has to happen. In Mm -hmm. Elena's life, it might be like the passing of your dad. In my life, a lot of it started when I got hit by a car um, as a pedestrian. I had a nearly fatal accident. Um, So these are things that are outside of our control that happen to us, that call us to go deeper. And a lot of times we ignore the call. So that's the next step in the hero's journey is <laughs> resistance to the call. Yeah. And this is where the hero has doubts about his or her or their ability to carry out this call. They don't want to go into the unknown. I'm thinking of Frozen 2. My yeah, daughter's I'm literally a- singing <laughs> into the unknown in my head right now. Because <laughs> so she that, goes through the exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is it. Frozen 2 is actually a great illustration of the hero's journey. A lot of Disney movies are. Yes. Um, so yeah, just like not wanting to abandon your life the way that you know it and go into like this completely different world, basically. Uh, And then some mentors appear, um, some guidance appears, whether it's like an actual person or whether it's remembering inspiring thoughts or like stumbling upon the right person at the right time or the right reminders from the universe or from the gods, depending on, you know, whatever story you're reading or however you interpret it in your own life. Um, And the hero or the heroine decides that they're going to answer this call and they go for it. And so then they have to cross the threshold. Mm -hmm. And so this is where they go from like the world that they were in before to this new world. And in mythology, it's often like a very real threshold. Like they go from the world of the living into the world of the dead, or like Mm -hmm. they walk through the wardrobe into Narnia or, you know, like any of these examples. Um, And that's just a very symbolic way of saying that you're entering into a realm that you have no idea what to expect. You're not familiar with the rules. Everything's kind of scary and new. And there's normally some sort of like initial um, battle or tension as you cross the threshold. So there's some sort of conflict and it seems really big and scary because it's the first time you're in there and you're like, Oh my God, I have to deal with it. So it might be the hero fighting a monster And this monster is terrible. And it's the first monster they've encountered when they've gotten into the threshold. Um, And that symbolizes, obviously, just like the how difficult it is to go into a new world. Like Mm -hmm. when when your world's turned upside down and you are answering this call to change and to growth, it can be a struggle at first. So there's also you have your mentors, right? There's also these sort of magical gifts that start appearing. So this the hero will find a magical sword or a magical potion or Hermes will come down and give him a magical cape of invisibility. And there's all mm-hmm. these like gifts that the hero gets as they cross the threshold. And that represents like the knowledge that you're getting and the blessings that do come your way when you're open to them and when you're changing and growing because you really are never in it alone. Um, and I love that. I think that's really important to remember. Uh, no matter what we believe, there's uh, every single human has been through a journey like this. So whether you believe that it's spiritual support or if it's just communal human support, you're not alone in this. And that's when the hero remembers like, okay, I've got help. I've got talents. And it might be remembering your own talents that you just have or recognizing talents that you haven't had to exercise before. Mm. Uh, and so then the hero starts this journey to the 
mountain, let's say, like to the ultimate reason that they're there. If this is a quest, it's like to get the elixir or to bring back the maiden from death, whatever it might be. Um, and as the hero goes, they start learning this new world differently and they get very clear on like what they need to do and where they're going. And then right before they get to this ultimate battle or like reckoning really, uh, all of the doubts appear again. So there's some sort of like Mm -hmm. internal struggle. It could be external as well on the way to this mountain where the hero comes or heroine. I'm saying hero because it's called the hero's journey, but it could be anyone. It's not gender specific. Um, Where the hero comes into conflict with like the deepest things inside of them or outside of them and doubts all of their ability and almost gives up the quest. They're mm-hmm. almost there and they've been so clear about where they're going. And all of a sudden they're like, no, I really, but I don't, I can't do it. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> and they do. This is a point in the story where if it's the hero's journey, they do. I heard a really cool quote. Um, I think it's Joseph Campbell as well, but I don't know. So I can't say who it's from, but it talks about how the hero is, the hero conquers their challenges, whereas the villain is conquered by them. Mm. So, right? Mm. So this is the point where if the hero does succumb to like those doubts and those external challenges, they're not a hero anymore. So we're not hearing about them in the hero's journey. (laughs) If they are a hero, they're going to recognize that they can get through this and they go to the final battle or the pinnacle, whatever. And this has a lot of different um, looks. So if you are into Joseph Campbell, which I highly suggest, if this <laughs> yes. thing, Hero yes. with a Thousand Faces is huge. Um, he talks about all the different ways that this final thing can look. So it could be merging with the divine. Um, it could be reconciliation with a father or a mother figure. It could be getting a boon. So like actually getting something physical to take back, like Arthur taking the sword out of the stone. Um, it could, there's just so many other different options that I don't even remember in my head, but this ultimate climax looks different based on what the story is. And the hero does it. They like do the challenge that they've been called to do. Uh, it's, it's like Frodo getting the ring into Mordor, dropping it in the lava, you know, exactly. it's done. And then the story's not over, right? The hero did it. (laughs) but the world is changed, but they have to get back. And so the hero has to come back to where they started. And that's also a process that a lot of us don't realize. We can't ever go back to things the way they were. Things have irreversibly changed. We've grown, we've changed, we've developed, and we take that learning with us. So the hero has to recross the threshold uh, and bring this knowledge back into the world around them. And that can look a lot of different ways too. Like sometimes it, it literally is the hero bringing an elixir. I'm thinking of Moana now, mm-hmm. like Moana replaces the heart of Tefiti. All my examples are Disney movies. Cause that's where my brain is with a three-year-old, but, but they're really nailing the it. Yeah. Oh, Disney nails it. They're really great at this. Um, and then she has to travel back across the ocean and like as she's traveling back all of the 
the black things that were climbing up the palm trees on her island start disappearing and the people in her world where she started start noticing that the world has changed and she gets back, but she can no longer stay on the island. She is a voyager now. And so, let you know, her community recognizes that and they also change based on her growth. So it's really cool. What the hero is actually doing is bringing change through their own journeys to the whole world around them. Mm. And so that's basically, in a nutshell, the hero's journey. All right. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I think you nailed it. I mean, it's it's so much to describe. And I think you really nailed all of the different, um, you know, spokes on the wheel of the hero's journey. Um, and so for those of you listening, it can also be helpful. There's some really great, you know, uh, graphics you can look up online. And, you know, as Jeannie said, there's so much amazing um um, information out there as far as, you know, you can read or listen to the hero with the, uh, a thousand faces, or there's amazing lectures by Joseph Campbell that you can listen to. And I just yes. love his voice. He's passed now, but he has, he's, he was, he's originally from New York and he has this wonderful voice and I'll never forget how he always says, uh, for the, when he's talking about the Buddha, he's like the Buddha, the, the Buddha. <laughs> Just love him. It's so good. It's so good. So his voice is amazing. The hero's journey is so good. And, you know, I, I wanted to share a little bit about, you know, when, when you introduced me to the hero's journey, I was very much mm. like in a state of, you know, I, I had gone through, I guess, well, because here's the other thing I wanted to say is like, I think in life we go through many, many different versions of the hero's journey. Like we're constantly mm. going through multiple versions Absolutely. of the hero's journey. Um, so in terms of like where I was when you found me <laughs> in my pathetic state, like I'm not sure exactly, but it was, it was definitely one of those like doubting moments of, of, you know, knowing that I had already crossed the threshold, but unsure of like how, how to navigate. Um, because I was quite, I was, I was swimming, but not very well, you know, I was, I was struggling. <laughs> And so it was so helpful for you to introduce me to the hero's journey to, so that I could start to see myself in my own hero's journey. And, you know, just listening to all of the different elements of it, I started to see how, um, through my own story of, of even taking it back to, you know, when my, fir- when my dad was first diagnosed, it was that initial call to action, mm. call to adventure mm-hmm. where I was like, oh no, there was definitely the resistance. I was like, no, 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 like this is too much. I can't deal with this. I don't, I don't have the tools for this. And then mm. there's a very specific moment in my memory that I write about in the book of, of accepting that call to action and being like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm ready for this, whatever this may mean. And then there's so many different, um, magical tools and mentors that came about. And so it was really fun to start to think of my life in terms of the hero's journey. And as I listened to Joseph Campbell, while I was laying on like the cold tile floor of my (laughs) Bali villa, (laughs) like just so just really, really going through it, you know, I started to see, I was like, okay, like I'm, this is something that I can start to apply to my life. And, Mm. um, so I, I, as I started to see myself as that hero, it gave me um, courage to continue to learn and continue to battle all of those demons. A lot of it was like inner demons um, and, you know, all of the grief, all of the things that come up um, when grieving. Um, and then, of course, 
understanding when it was time to come back to, you know, the real world and bring these gifts about. And even that was, was not pretty, you know, it was hard. Um, because I had gone on this like very long spiritual journey, very deep, um, you know, inner seeking. And I came back with these gifts and I had to learn how to serve those gifts. And even that was like another kind of puberty of, of coming into sharing those gifts. Um, yeah, yeah. It's this, you can draw so much wisdom from the hero's journey. So I, I'm curious to hear for you, um, you know, you shared a little bit about, your hero's journey in terms of, of your near-death experience. And I thought perhaps you could expand a little bit on that and tell us how the hero's journey informed that for you. Sure. Uh, and I do want to say, I love the idea of me being like a little fairy, just dropping this magical hero with a thousand faces book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cool to see where we land in other people's stories, right? I know. Because we're obviously the own heroes of our own journey. Yeah. And, and we're not the heroes in other people's stories. We're side characters. So that's really fun too. Just a perspective. Um, yes. So my own hero's journey, like you said, I think that's such a great point that we all go through so many different heroes journeys in our lifetimes. And that is the point. It's a cycle. We talked about that with the tarot as well. And I'm not going to go fully into the the fool's journey, if anyone's familiar with tarot, just because I think the hero's journey, it, it's a mirror for the hero's journey, basically. But I do want to talk really quickly about the fool. So the fool yes, is please. the zero card in the tarot deck. And the fool is pictured, I have my rider weight deck with me. Um, and the fool, I'll describe it for everyone listening. The fool is pictured walking off of this cliff in like a very jaunty way. And he has his bindle on his back and he's holding a rose and the sun is shining and there's like a little dog barking at his feet and he's very excited. Um, and he's just walking off of a cliff (laughs) into the unknown really. Um, and what's really cool to me about the fool that I love is that the fool is card zero. So the fool is the beginning and the end of the cycle. So when we start this cycle, we have no idea what we're getting into. We're feeling great, you know, or maybe we're feeling great, but like we're ready to go. We're stepping off into the unknown and we're just like so naive and innocent. We're foolish. We have no clue about this journey that we're going on. Uh, But then what's really beautiful is once we finish our journey, we are so complete. We are so confident. We are so empowered that we're ready to be a fool again. We're like, yeah, I can do this. I'm (laughs) off. I'm stepping in the world. Look at me. I just went on this insane journey and I came out of it and I am great. Let's go. And so we're just like, that's the end and the beginning. So that is where we cycle through the hero's journey. So Mm. I think that's a great point. Elena, I love that you brought that up. Huge. Uh, So for me, my, I would say a big hero's journey definitely started when I was hit by a car. So I was living in Memphis at the time. Um, I was married at the time as well. I was teaching and I was at a school that was just like really, my job was really sucking my soul away. Um, And my mother and I were going for a walk in the park and a driver under the influence ran a red light and ran over us going 45 miles an hour. Um, 
and we both survived. It's a miracle. I literally didn't break a bone. I don't know how it happened. My mom did. She shattered her pelvis and she had some brain bleeding. She recovered. She's fine. We're both still alive and here, which is a huge miracle. Uh, but for me, and at first, after I was hit by the car, I obviously was unconscious. I came to in the hospital like a day later. Um, I was all swollen and I did have to go through a lot of physical therapy just because I couldn't turn my head. Like my tendons were all messed up just because I didn't break a bone. I didn't like come off completely scot-free, but it was way better than it could have been. I was in physical therapy for probably a year um, from the accident. But at first I felt just this like immense joy and gratitude to be alive. And I remember the moment that I was, um, changing my ex actually was changing the bandage on my elbow. And it was the first time I'd like seen the injury and my elbow was just mangled. I still actually have asphalt in my left elbow and it was just mangled. And I was looking in the mirror, like, how did this happen? I don't remember this happening. This is really bad. Like what happened? And all of a sudden, all this fear and like anxiety entered my body. And I started thinking about how that moment when I walked out the door or was crossing the crosswalk, like these really vivid memories I had could have just been my last moments. Mm. Um, So it was a really visceral reminder that any moment in my life could be my last moment. And so for a long time, (laughs) that was very panic inducing. Um, and I was not in a good spot. I had to go to a lot of therapy. Um, I wasn't diagnosed with PTSD, but definitely anxiety, like just, oh my gosh, it was a lot. I had a lot of trouble saying goodbye to people. Every time I said goodbye, I was afraid that they were going to die or I was going to die before I saw them again. And so I like, couldn't bring myself to say goodbye. I would like cry and hug my dad when he was leaving. And just like, it was a mess for a while. Um, and that definitely put a strain on my marriage that wasn't in the healthiest spot at the time to begin with anyways. Uh, but that I think a lot of that led to like the ultimate ending of my marriage, which was another sort of like call in the hero's journey. Um, and at the same time, so all of this anxiety existed around knowing that I was going to die. But at the same time, there was also that gratitude and that awe and joy of still being alive. Um, and I think it's so tied in with the anxiety, right? Cause the reason that we don't want to die is because we're having a great time. We, we want to be here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was really cool also to start to shift the attitudes around death the attitudes around knowing that I could die from this sort of panic inducing thing to like a go for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to, life's not guaranteed YOLO. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I, after it was clear that I was getting divorced, I was just like, what do I want to do? I don't want to be at this job. I actually had already quit the job. That was like one of the first things that went after I got hit by the car. I was like, no, nope, life's too short. I can't be here. Um, I dove into yoga. I was teaching yoga full-time at that point, um, transitioning from... Actually, I was in my yoga teacher training when I got hit by the car. Um, so I got certified and quit my job and then just went straight into teaching yoga full-time. And it was 
just a really cool, I guess this was like an answering the call type of thing. Like, what is it that's calling me right now? And I love to travel. As Elena said, I was in the Peace Corps um, and had lived in a couple different countries before I came back to the States, to Memphis, to teach. And I just felt like I needed to get out. I wanted to go to a country I'd never been before. I wanted to learn a language I'd never learned before. I wanted to just be in a completely new place and be on my own. Uh, And so I applied for a bunch of different jobs and I got this job in Lombok and went for it. So I was a couple months into that when I met Elena. So we were in like a very similar trajectory on our hero's journey. I was also, I would say... You know, in like I had crossed the threshold, but I was not at the peak of the mountain yet by any means. Like there were little, little battles, little tensions all the time. At the same time, though, I was like feeling pretty good. So I was getting in the groove of this like other world and also kind of coming back and forth. And so one of the huge gifts Elena also brought me, there were several, that, that initial trip to Bali was huge. So she, you were also kind of my like little fairy, just dropping yeah. an ecstatic dance. I'd never been to ecstatic dance before. And like you said, when I got there, I was just like, oh my God, I can move my body anyway. And no one judges me. And this is so free and amazing. <laughs> and it was just very soul opening and heart opening. And then we went to that cacao ceremony. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. remember this one? Of okay. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they had these beautiful cacao ceremonies. I actually still follow. Me too, Ella and Osiera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the particular one we went to got rained out. And so everyone moved inside and they were singing all these kirtans and like group sings. And you and I decided to stay outside in the rain by the fire. Yes. And it was just like that moment. I remember earlier when we had been singing, there was some guy there. I don't even know his name, but he said like, you're here for a reason. I just started bawling, you know, like my heart was broken open and I just felt so like in community and loved. And then when we stayed outside in the rain, that was like topping it off. I feel like it was just like being in nature, feeling so wild, feeling so connected to earth and to everyone around me. And just this profound sense that like, it's all okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that came and went for sure. But that was a huge like heart opener in my personal journey. Mm. Yeah. It, it, those cacao ceremonies and, you know, some of the like group ceremonies that I went to, even at, 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 at ecstatic dance at Yoga Barn, it's like you get, I, what it always reminded me of was um, that moment in Avatar when they're all together and they're like, they have their arms on each other. Have you seen Avatar yeah. G? And they're all like, we actually did that one time after ecstatic dance. And so it's this amazing uh, community where you really feel held and feel like, okay, I'm not alone. And it doesn't take away the loneliness still of the journey. Um, but to have those moments of, of clarity, those moments of catharsis, you know, dancing in the rain by the fire, which by the way, do you remember the guy who got naked with us? (laughs) The naked dancing guy? I completely forgot about it. Oh, I remember that. He was like, I just like, ladies, do you mind if I get, no, we didn't. We just saw him like, (laughs) I think if he wasn't there, maybe, you know, people, I would have been, if he wasn't there, but he was like, ladies, do you mind if I get naked? And we were like, go for it, dude. And he was there dancing by the flames, like everything flailing around. It was a a tiny little thing. And we were just like, all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that was also this like peak moment of like, yeah, but it's, I think it's really important to have those, you know, those, those peak moments, especially when you're going through your hero's journey, you know, of, of literally climbing a mountain. Like I did this, um, I barefoot climbed uh, Mount Batur and like a silent mm. um, hike. And at the top of the mountain, we released birds and it was, I mean, a really poetic and beautiful moment. And I think, um, like, especially when we're going through really challenging hero's journeys, um, of acknowledging when you have those peak experiences and like really letting yourself mm-hmm. feel them fully. So huge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So Mm-mm-mm. I'd like to say I'm kind of reflecting now, like, has my hero's journey finished in my back? And I think in some ways I definitely am, you know, I've processed a lot. I think physically actually being in Indonesia kind of coincided with my hero's journey. Really? Like I was getting, back in tune with myself, which was a huge theme from like my past life, my past relationship, even like working at this job that was sucking my soul. Like, why was I there? It wasn't in alignment with what I was being called to do. And then after realizing that life is so short, I really felt like I needed to tune into my own purpose and listen to myself. Um, so I feel like that really started happening. Um, And then when I got pregnant, I came back from Indonesia and I feel like the, I wouldn't have gotten pregnant if I hadn't done that tuning in. Like Mm -hmm. I realized I wanted a baby. Well, we were Um, together when you had that moment. Yes. uh, Oh my gosh. Yes. mm -hmm. It was a long process (laughs) of like realization and then becoming ready for a baby. Like knowing that that I wanted one was just a big moment, but then like actually becoming coming into a place where I was ready to have one was very different too. Mm. Um, but I think for me, actually this journey really, that particular hero's journey sort of came to more or less of a close, um, after Lyra was born. Well, I guess through the process of Lyra being born too, that was part of the, part of the peak. I don't know. Maybe I could say that like me reaching the mountain was me actually like giving birth to a new life. Right. Mm after almost losing mine. That's very symbolic. I like the way that sounds. It's very pretty. So I'll, yeah. I'll make that my story. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> this whole process of pregnancy and birth, I had a midwife. So I was supported through midwife care. And the whole time I was just looking at the midwife, like, I want to do this. I remembered my work with maternal child health and the Peace Corps through yoga. I had gotten really into like prenatal yoga. I'd connected with Bumi Sehat, which is an amazing reproductive health center in Bali. Um, and just like, being pregnant was a, I loved being pregnant so much, just Mm. growing a life inside of me. And like that experience was mind blowing, um, creating life. I think this like metaphor of life is, is really tied into midwifery. But after I gave birth to Lyra, I was just like, I want to do this. Um, and it took a while for me to actually decide that I wanted to do it. And it was kind of funny because when I told my parents that I was going back to school to become a nurse midwife, they were not supportive. <laughs> and, mm. and like, I was like, wait, really? I feel like this is the most responsible thing I've done in my entire life. I want to have like a really high paying job and support my child. And it's something that I love and that I'm passionate about. And they're like, well, I think you should start working. I don't think it's responsible to be in school for another few years. And I'm just like, no, I, I really want to do this. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, those are just the blips in the path, you know? Right. And so applying for the program was a big ordeal because I didn't have a background in science. So I had to do all of these prereqs. Um, And then getting into the program was huge. 
and now here I am, I'm in my third semester of this nurse midwifery program. And I really feel like this is me helping. This is me having integrated for the most part, the process, right? Like I'm sure I will continue integrating it as I go. Um, but something else that I really want to share is that I also, as, after the program started, my anxiety came back really bad. Uh, and I was working through our nursing program. We have to do different units. And I was working on the burn unit this past fall. And it was just really intense. I was hearing all of these stories of these horrific accidents. And I was just remembering my accident. And I started having these like daymares, these daytime visions of my house burning down and Lyra burning alive. And like, it was very graphic. It was very scary. And it would happen multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, just like those, those friends, those fairy gifts that happen. I was talking to one of my friends and she told me that she had been having a lot of anxiety and was on medication for it. And for some reason, like my doctor had asked me before, like I told her I was super anxious. I would tell everyone because it was, I was dying. I was floundering in this anxiety. Um, and she asked me if I needed help with it, like medication. I was just like, oh no, no. You know, like I teach yoga, I do meditation. I'm fine. But I wasn't fine at all. I was doing all the things, but it wasn't enough. Um, and so I, after I talked to my friend, I was just like, oh my God, I need to get on some anti-anxieties. Um, and I did. And that was another one of those like little blessings that maybe helped me cross whatever threshold. My, my hero's metaphor is all mixed up at this point, but, um, that was another huge help on the journey. So I just want to share that because I think that normalizing mental health is very important. Um, and it's been immediately like just after deciding to even get on the medication, I started feeling better mm-hmm. and act like just knowing that I had support and I wasn't alone, this theme of not being alone and not having to do it all ourselves. And then once the medication started, I'm like, great. Can't believe (laughs) I was living that way. (laughs) Oh man. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That, thank you so much for bringing that up. I think that's really important um, for people listening to remember that you don't have to, you know, white knuckle it, so to speak. Um, And if you are really struggling, there is help out there. And you know, you, even if it's hard to take that step, um, you know, you could reach out to a friend and say, Hey, you know, I, I really want to see a therapist or I really want to make an appointment to, you know, talk about getting on medication. Can you help me just even making that appointment, you know, taking that step is, is really huge. So I, I applaud you for acknowledging that that was something that you were needing help with because, you know, you, you brought up a really good point as a yoga teacher. I have this too, you know, I'm, as I'm going through all of these, these medical, um, things lately, you know, I, I'm going to the doctors and they're like, um, so are you, are you stressed or anxious? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> like terribly. So, uh, you know, and, and, <laughs> and they're like, well, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, you know, we were talking about this before is, you know, I, I generally say I'm a yoga teacher because it's something that I do. Um, and, and, and when I say that, there's this sense of guilt of like, well, I certainly should have all the tools, you know, and I, and I have a lot of great tools. Literally, I wrote a whole book about all the tools. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you know, I should have this all figured out. But but the truth is, you know, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And um, so thank you. Thank you for for reflecting that. And um, I think it's important for anybody listening who is in the wellness scene to acknowledge like you're not a failure if you need extra support, you know? 
Yeah. Well, and I love the perspective you gave me earlier when I saw myself as this little fairy. Like we're all on our own journeys. We're all on our own hero's journeys. Mm -hmm. And we never know what role we're going to play in someone else's. So like Mm -hmm. by sharing our journey, by sharing our tips and tools, it might just support someone else on theirs because we're all human. We're all going through similar things. Even as different, yes, you know, like as different as we all are, as different as our circumstances are, our emotions are the same, our feelings are the same, our struggles, like way the same. And I think what's beautiful about the hero's journey is that this idea shows that like our journeys are really the same too, and we can help each other out in them. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. It's so good. It's so, so, so good. I'm, I'm really glad that you came on to the show this week and, um, to share everything because it's funny. Like even now when I tell people about the hero's journey, like I have to tell them about you, you know, and <laughs> like you played such, I have to tell them this They're whole really story. <laughs> yeah. And, and as you just said, like you really never know when you are creating this kind of like peak experience for another person just by showing up. You know, maybe you are that, that mentor, that, that little, that gift, that boon, that whatever it is. Um, and I also love to think sometimes how, we are all going about our everyday lives. And like you said, having that moment of, 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 you know, um, realizing as before when you were replaying the moment of, of stepping in front uh, into that crosswalk is like, we're, we're, oh, we're living our mythologies and our own journeys, like every single day of our lives, you know, Mm, it's never not happening. Right. But we sometimes, I, you know, I think can delude ourselves into thinking, well, it's just an ordinary day, but it's always on an ordinary day that something yeah. extraordinary happens, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Quote book. Is that in your book? That quote right there? Gotta, gotta add one. it in. <laughs> gotta add it in. <laughs> so good. Um, so I wanted to, you know, generally like to leave, um, our listeners with, you know, a couple of like bite-sized tools and tips that they can bring, um, from our guests. So I like to know for you during your latest hero's journey were, what were the three things that helped you get through it? And now that can either be like a magical tool or a mentor or mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. a way of thinking. Um, what were those three oh things God. that helped so you? So many just came to mind. It's going to be really hard to narrow it down to three. Um, I'm going to say the most important is gratitude by far. I have started like a, a daily gratitude practice where every day before I go to bed, I just write down all the things I'm grateful for. Um. And that's been huge in just transforming my life and my outlook. Like instead of seeing this accident as something that ruined my life, I'm, I really do see it as a call to improve my life. My life is better since the accident, which is mm-hmm. amazing to say, like infinitely better. It was a huge catalyst for some important shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, gratitude is number one. I think... Shoot, there's so many. Obviously, yoga and meditation, I have to say it, because like the body and the mind are so connected. So just moving however feels good to you, sitting in silence, like really getting to know that quiet inner voice and listening to it. Um, I think 
supplies a lot of empowerment and courage. Like a lot of people say, oh, I I have this dream, but I just don't know if I could do it. But when you really listen to your inner voice, you don't have a choice is what I found. Like it screams at you. You get hit by cars if you're not listening to it. Like (laughs) it, you know, like when you're in tune with it, you just know what you have to do and you do it. Um, and yeah, I'm going to say community. I think really knowing that I'm not alone, whether it's a spiritual community or my connection to a higher power and like feeling in communion, whether it's my friends or my family, someone like you that I can call once like half a year <laughs> on like the eclipse and be like, Hey, <laughs> red witch, are you, do you yes. have your period? The full moon, I do. Like just <laughs> you know, these random connections with other people that we have are so mm. important. Mm. So yeah, that would be my third. Mm. What tasty morsels. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so true. I really think of you as as one of my sisters, like my sister witches. You know, I <laughs> like I have this whole crew, but they're all around the world. And I, I just can't wait for the day that we're all together, you know, bare breasted, banging on drums around a fire, you know, maybe in the rain. <laughs> in the rain. <laughs> yeah. <With> <laughs> I can't wait for that. I think about that often, like really often. Um, so I'm just, I'm excited for everything that you're doing and sharing and, um, and who you are becoming and have become since we first met. It's, it's absolutely huge. And actually I wanted to, to mention one thing because I feel like our journeys are reflecting each other. And I noticed this theme, um, where a lot of women that I know who have given birth have really taken, you know, um, had this amazing experience with it and maybe amazing isn't the right word, but have had this life shifting mm. um, experience mm. with it that has brought them into birth work. And I'm so pumped because so many amazing women are now stepping into and onto this path of supporting other women through birth. And then I realized, mm-hmm. cause, but then I was also like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about friends of mine and then I'm like, and then suddenly their, their entire Instagram is all about the babies and all about the, which, which I love, but I'm also, you know, and then I was like, Oh, Aletta, like look in the mirror girl. And I realized that for me, my experience was the same, just in, in the other direction. It was, you know, I had this huge moment of, of supporting my father through his dying experience. And that was my giving birth moment. <laughs> and then suddenly, yes. Yes. The death doula. It's so true. It's so true. So then I was like, oh girl, now your whole world, you know, you literally just wrote a whole book about it. Like it's all you want to talk about. And Mm. so, but I think it's, it's just amazing that there are these big communities of, 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 of people. I mean, I've noticed a lot of women in this work of, of being death doulas and birth doulas and, and, um, how we're taking these, these big experiences and being like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Good. So I do have something to say about this. I know we've gone like way a little bit over, over but it's, it's okay. I'm just having so much fun talking to you. So yes, I think, let me just caveat this first with saying that obviously you do not have to give birth to be a woman. A woman. Lots of people who don't identify as women are starting to give birth as well. Um, however, symbolically, let's talk about like the divine feminine principle, this idea, this mythology, feminine power is the power of creation, of bringing life, 
of transitioning into different realms. So just like you transitioning from life to death, transitioning from not yet life to life, creating new things. Feminine power is so creative. And in Hindu thought, I love that like the Shakti is actually like everything you see around you, like all of this physical world is this feminine power because it's so true. Like the feminine has the power of creation. And so I think when A, we as women reclaim the actual physical act of birth because this is our literal birthright. We have been doing it for eons and generations and the medical system, the way that it's set up does not honor the physiological process of birth. This is a natural, normal process. This is not a medical emergency and women need to take their power back in terms of birthing babies, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, But with that being said, uh, when women take their power back and birth, like have voices and create what they're called to create, our world changes. Like this, Mm -hmm. women need to be birthing whatever we, and everyone really, like let's apply this feminine principle to men, like, and people who don't identify as, as whatever, like we need to be birthing what we're being called to birth. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just got really passionate about that. But it's, <laughs> yeah. I am really passionate about it. I really believe that when we are following our hearts and following our calling, which is what my hero's journey led me to like be alive now in this form that we're in now, do the things that we're called to do because they're there for a purpose. They're there for a reason. And it's our duty to bring them out. So if you need to get in tune with that feminine power, let me know, like, let you know, there are so many resources, so many power people out there who can like help us in community start birthing what we are being called to birth. Like your book. I'm so excited for it. Ah, It's just beautiful. I love this trajectory that we're on. Me too. You and I both sister. Oh my God. Oh my God. So true. So true. Everything that you just said. So true. Um, Wow. I think everyone who just heard that, their ears are like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God. So, so speaking of, to, to wrap it up, um, yes. uh, cause we really could talk forever. Put a bow on um, <laughs> just get ready for part two, ladies and gents. Um, so uh, for people who are interested in working with you, if you could give us a little bit of information, like where can they find you? What are you offering? Do you have anything fun coming up that people can join? Sure. Thanks for asking. So if you want to get in touch with me, I do have a website. It's genieshorman.com. So it's J-E-A-N-I-E. And then my last name's insane. S-C-H-U-E-R-M-A-N.com. And that's the quickest way to just get in touch with me. You can contact me uh, through my website. You can look at all of my services. I do offer private yoga and life coaching from anywhere in the world. It's virtual. I also offer tarot readings, <laughs> obviously, because I'm super into tarot. Um, and I'm also currently teaching at Be Well Studio in Columbus, Ohio, which I love. It's this lovely studio. And so if you're interested in taking like a group class, you can sign up for those through their website, which is wakeupbewell.com. Um, and you can get in touch with my workshops and yoga offerings at the studio through them. So if you're looking for anything private one-on-one, my website is the place to go. And I am not yet a certified nurse midwife. So I do not yet do births. I am still a student. I do do prenatal yoga. I am certified in prenatal yoga. Um, 
but in a few years, I'll deliver your babies. Just wait a few years. <laughs> so hold, hold on. Keep your legs crossed, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> or like your second or third babies. <laughs> right, 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 right. I love that. I love that. Well, oh my goodness. Everything that you offer is so full of life and is so lush. And I'm just so pleased to know you, Jeannie, as always. Oh, same. Same. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you everyone who's listening for sharing in our conversation and just being here with us energetically. Mm, hell yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everybody for tuning in. This has been another episode of the O to Joy podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this latest episode of the O to Joy podcast and fantastic news guys. My book grieve outside the box is now available for you to buy on Amazon in paperback and an ebook version. So I'm super pumped that it's now available for you to read and enjoy. Thank you so much again for listening and I'll talk to you again very soon. So much love.